Fuck, wrong show. Uh, hi, uh, <laughs> welcome to the Alex Cast. Um, I don't hate Valis by Philip K. Dick. I think I hate the fans of Valis by Philip K. Dick. I would say we're on the same team on that one. This, and you've heard me uh, talk about this on the show a bunch. This reminds me, in a very negative way, of Moby Dick, where dumb shit idiots talk themselves into believing it's a good book. And one of the uh, arguments for Moby Dick being a good book is that it depicts boredom so well, like the boredom of being on a ship, and that's why it's so boring. And this is like scholarly people make this argument. And uh, this book is is of that similar vein of, wow, a nutty person made nutty stuff sound convincingly nutty. Holy crap. And that's... If, if it was just the book and reading that fine, shitty opening to the book, f- next two thirds, pretty okay. This is not something that should be in the zeitgeist 40 something, 50 years later. But it is. Yeah. And people yeah. really think there's a lot more to this. And I think people are confusing, like they're confusing boring writing with mimicking boredom. I think they're confusing Nutty Boy with theories <laughs> that actually make some kind of sense, not just weird, like... I'm going to quote Parmenides. That'll make me smart. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think he was, like, transcribing his mental breakdown, basically. Like, it was just straight up him going into his diary and going, this is my mental breakdown. Here you go. Yeah, which I'm kind of okay with, except that this book has this kind of aura around it that it's like this, that that the metaphysical stuff in it is worth something beyond a really good description of a mental mental breakdown, which I think that's actually a better read than what fans of this book are giving it. Because they're, oh, they're saying this is like a, this is actually a, a, some kind of, not, I don't want to say prophetic, but this is some kind of deep metaphysical treatise But no, it's, it's a really interesting, like I've watched multiple friends do what happens in this book. I mean, not, obviously not the light and the exact breakdown, but like the, obsessive nature of going into the metaphysical or the occult in my case. Like I've, I've, I've had so many horse fucker fats in my life over the years. And I'm like, Oh, this is, yes, I know this. I know this. I've, oh yeah. I know three of them right now. Like I have their phone numbers. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was a horse lover fat back in like my mid twenties, you know, it was, well, it's legal in Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Loving horses. Yeah, well, I was making a reference to Mr. Hands, the guy that got fucked to death by the horse. <laughs> There's a documentary about him. I need to look that up. Oh, you've never seen that video? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, it, it, it is, uh, boy, I've talked about this on the show way too many times, but <laughs> it's, it's. I don't remember if there's a video. I've only heard the audio of it, but you hear the audio of a guy getting killed by a horse dick. Oh, my God. You hear him go, oh, like, as the, as it, because it, it, it mushed him up on the inside because the 
the braking mechanism was removed or whatever. Oh I don't remember God. what the actual details are, but oh, it's it'll it'll sit with you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Valis. Um, <laughs> no. Okay. So let's let's talk about you being uh, uh, horse lover fat. Here's well, wait, let me be real quick. Uh, hopefully, you're as dumb as me on this. You didn't know horse lover fat meant Philip. Not when I first read it, but okay. like later I did. Well, because they say it in the book. So yeah. yeah. Um, good. Because after they mention it, I'm like, oh yeah, Phil is like lover. And mm-hmm. and I could have, you know, I could have from there went, oh yeah, I, I live in a world with the internet. I could look up what Philip actually means. And yeah. and I felt real dumb when they, they, they made that point of like, Philip is horse lover and, you know, and fat is dick in German. And it's like, oh. Oh, I'm a dummy. Okay, so anyway, I'm glad I'm glad we're both uh, not not scholarly enough to pick up on that. Uh, but that's a point I'm going to go back to. So let's uh, remind me to go back to that thing. But let's talk about you being horse lover fat. So you you're you're you went nutty too, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like I went, uh, I think from 26 to 29, I spent all my time alone just reading, coming up with weird ass theories that I thought were. Definitely true about the universe. Oh, you went that way. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. And looking back on it now, like I threw away my journals a few years ago and I was like, no, that that none of that is right. Now, if you could encapsulate your theory on the universe in your late 20s, what was it? Uh, that the universe is a gigantic machine that we have no uh, concept of. Like it's too big of a machine. We can only know certain small pieces of it. Okay, all right. So actually, not not too dissimilar from one of the theories of of Valis. Yeah. That at the end of the book, there's kind of the, I think, kind of tossed away version of the of the interpretation that it is aliens. You know, technologically advanced aliens. Yeah. Um, my my horsiest times, uh, which which I believe is is going to be my my equine moments in my life. Um, I got really into conspiracy theory for a while. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And I never got full, I never did the full diary thing that you and and Phil K. Dick did, because I was writing a lot of poetry and other stuff at the time. So I kind of, my writing thrust was that way. But I mean, I was a, I was a, a whisper away from writing an exegesis. And I got really into conspiracy theories. And weirdly enough, one is directly related to Vallis, is that the Dogon people were contacted by by ancient aliens. And this is pre the TV show with uh, uh and all that yeah, shit. Like, you know, the like, hair guy. Yeah. The hair guy. Yeah. The, the aliens, um, Giorgio Sucolos. So I got really into that and how they are the reptilian people, which David, I talked about. Right. How these are the, the, the puppet masters of humanity, this, this ancient thing. And that they've been, you know, uh, subtly controlling us forever. And, I didn't get full Philip K. Dickey, mm-hmm. but I got close enough that, you know, a couple wrong turns, a couple more drugs, I could take that turn. But I had many friends that did the full thing, like like oh, yeah. full flat earth, like, you know, uh, what, what was the, what's Tropic Thunder? Never go full retard. They went full yeah, retard, yeah. you know. Uh, I probably shouldn't use that term. <laughs> well, because I might actually use, yeah, I guess it's still insulting. Yeah, my, my apologies. I don't use that term in... in descriptives but i thought maybe quoting it was okay but then i realized no nah, i'm just quoting something gross so anyway uh yeah never go full conspiracy theorist is, yeah. is the the thing but boy do i understand him and not that i understand his theories in it but i mean i think 
him writing this when he did, he's writing the, the, the wave of the new wave of this rediscovery of a lot of ancient nonsense and, and a lot of shit I believe in anyway, but the seventies were like, and the sixties were like the height of this stuff. Oh yeah. And I think that's why a lot of this kind of resonates with like a culty people. Like, so, so some of the questions we have reference, uh, like Aleister Crowley or whether, you know, how, how it can be close to Philip K. Dick stuff, but it's like, that was the zeitgeist back then. Although Crowley was writing earlier, but he was, he was on the cover of a fucking Beatles album at the time. Like, oh yeah. We are so like, like it's, it is so the thrust of what was going on in the quote counterculture at the time. I don't know that we can actually read this in a modern context, like with the same understanding as someone that was reading it in the seventies. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Like he was he was writing a different zeitgeist because he was. It was that mixing with what science fiction was doing in the sixties and seventies, yeah. which was like finding new horizons and. Like he was part of like the they they called it the dangerous visions generation where people like J. G. Ballard and Philip K. Dick and uh, uh, Brian Aldiss and people like that were like really pushing what science fiction could do. So him going really obsessive in this like occult stuff, mixing with science fiction, he was like right there in the middle of this yeah. perfect perfect time to try to write it into science fiction. Yeah, and it's it's weird to read it now because especially like with the kind of um you know, third rediscovery of the kind of occulty stuff. Like I think the 60s were for at least for America the like the second rediscovery because there was that whole um 1800s weird spiritualist movement that happened that people started the, the, a lot of Otsky kind of followers especially yeah. like in the, on the east coast burnt over district from yeah. periphery um they're those people and then kind of the second main one was that 60s 70s kind of uh you know the when what's your sign became a thing mood rings etc oh, yeah. and then i think we're right now in the midst of like the third resurgence with you know there's a lot of people into occulty weird shit. I mean, oh, the yeah. fact that Supernatural has been on for 30 years now, like, but I mean, all oh, of yeah. that has like, it, there's a popularization of it. And I think it's interesting, or at least I think it's difficult for us to read it in context of what was hidden, like the Dogon thing. Mm-hmm. That's literally a joking meme on the internet. Like, oh, look at this asshole from the History Channel, Ancient Aliens. But that was probably very obscure when he was writing this book. Oh, yeah. Or, I don't know, though. It's really hard to tell what was obscure and what wasn't. What was, oh, yeah. you know, known and unknown at the time. Yeah, especially now. It's All information is available all the time. I mean, yeah. you, we get bombarded with trivial information all the time, even when we don't want it. Yeah. But it's it's interesting thing that so like he references the Nag Hammadi text, which is where uh, kind of Gnosticism was rediscovered by the modern world, uh, unless you believe the conspiracy theories that Gnosticism has been around the whole time. Yeah. But it's interesting because I was when he was writing twenty two years ago was the discovery or something like that. I think it was in the forties. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was in the twenties. Either way, either within his lifetime or like shortly before. But to us, it's ancient. You know. Yeah. It's, so it's really it's interesting, like what was cutting edge in you know kind of cutting edge in ancient philosophy at the time. Yeah, is, yeah. Well, I mean, you can walk into a, a Barnes and Noble and buy a book on Gnosticism now. Yeah. Like back in his time, you had to go to like an actual like university library to read about it. Yeah, it's interesting. So one of the questions we have, I, I'm not going to pull that one up specifically because uh, one of the later comments, it's uh, Vanessa Kindle, but she one of her later comments in that thread was that she's not making sense. But I think her question is good. She she was referencing that. And there's been scholarly work on this, that Phil K. Dick is reminiscent of Crowley 
mm-hmm. in some of his thought patterns. And um, she said it's very unlikely that he's read Crowley. So I don't know that it's unlikely. His biographer makes a reference that he doesn't think he did. But Crowley hung out with Hubbard, another science fiction writer from not that long right. before Philip K. Dick. So I think Crowley to sci-fi is actually a really easy jump to make. Yeah. Well, and Vallis was Philip K. Dick's later career, too. Yeah. This was written in the 80s. Like, he had lots of time to hook up with a lot of people that knew that kind of thing. Totally. So I, I just to, to make that – I think she's right in saying that, like, he didn't read his stuff. But Crowley being – he was very well known and known in the circle of people that Phil K. Dick would have hung out with. Yeah, those ideas would be re- circulating. So, but here's the kind of part of the reason I brought up what was known in the 70s and what was known now with the philosophies espoused. So, do you know about the the uh, the flower of life thing about how that's the creation of the universe? If you look at the flower of life, uh, vaguely. So, there's this guy Dronvolo Melchizedek. They wrote this book called The Flower of Life. And he shows this ancient symbol, the flower of life, that when you break it down, it how you draw it, essentially, there's this uh, metaphor, allegorical story that goes along with it. That when you draw the first circle, that is the universe understanding itself. You draw a second circle from any point on the first circle, and it, that creates the, you know, the first overlap, like the first Venn mm-hmm. diagram. I think it's called the Vesica Pisces. Um, Oh, I hope I'm right. I sound so impressive if I'm right. <laughs> but that first overlap is the universe looking at itself and in that becoming something else because the universe can look at itself, which there's parts of Vallis that, or at least in the exegesis, Phil K. Dick references this. Yeah. But what's interesting is uh, Melchizedek, I think, wrote that shit in like the 80s or something. So after this, but he read all the same bullshit as Crowley, as Dick, and all the other people that like as as that kind of post Blavatsky, which I'm gonna mispronounce her name every time. <laughs> I'm never gonna say it. Blavatsky is that how you say it? I think it's Blavatsky. Blavatsky. Okay. But I'm not 100 percent sure. I think either. you're right. It's one. Of, it's yeah. Anyway, but um, so they all read the same kind of stuff that's based on kind of either <clears throat> misunderstood ancient religious understanding or. Understood very well, but not, un- but when I started reading about this stuff, like, like the flower of life stuff was kind of accepted canon in the fringe community. Yeah. So it's hard for me to differentiate it. Cause it's like, so she asked this question about like the overlap between Crowley and Philip K. Dick, where it's like, well, I can see that through the lens of this guy, but this guy comes after it. So it's like, to me, that seems like we're now looking at, um, you know, like in the gospels where they say there's the, um. And then they call it the G gospel, where it's like mm-hmm. Mark and Matthew both got their source from this third one that we lost. Yeah. Um, it probably wasn't Mark and Matthew, but you know the thing. There's there's yeah. two there's two uh, uh, apostle gospels that, that supposedly got their shit from a third, and the third we lost, and they call that G or something along those lines. It's like, uh, so Crowley, Phil K. Dick, Jernvola, McKee's Dick, any of the 70s we got too high and wrote about crystals people, I feel like you can look at that, that lost cipher text that, and it's not even like lost, but... They read these things, and it's, yeah, I don't even know where I'm going with this. You'd say stuff. <laughs> well, I, I, I kind of get where you're going with that. Like, it, it's kind of the same building blocks made the same ideas, or, like, similar ideas later on. Like, the whole yeah. tree of life, or flower of life idea may have come from the same text that Vallis came from. Yeah, and it, it, but it's interesting. So, like, the Melchizedek stuff, is, I think he was supposed to be a channeler, but obviously he got it from somewhere because this this symbol exists. But, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting kind of, like, this, um, 
it's a very fallacy concept of like this kind of overlapping time thing of like yeah. when stuff happens in regards to like because this is you know valus in our hand exists when we read it but it's written in a in another time so it's like well our understanding of the concepts in this book is interpreted through a 21st century when we're reading it now yeah but that's a very yeah. fallacy idea too because yeah. all times exist at the same time yeah well, okay, so here's a good thing to get into that. And and one of the major critiques I have of this book is in that we have a series of unreliable narrators. Yeah. And this is not the best example of it, but this is part of that thing of time exists on top of itself. Like time doesn't exist in how we understand it, except he says explicitly that time stopped for a bunch of years. Right. Well, those are two those can't coexist. Yeah, those are really opposing ideas. And But they're presented in the same thing, and there's a series of them in this book. Yeah. And I th- and it goes back to about kind of my first point is this book is more interesting as a study of someone going insane than an actual contact from something higher. Right, right. Or, or if you really want to be metaphysical, you could say this is a study in how humanity can't grasp the ideas of a godhead and can only interpret it poorly and but i don't think that's what he's saying no no like to me it really it reads like a transcript of a psychotic breakdown he had after spending 20 years taking speed and writing science fiction and reading voraciously and suddenly he just snapped and thought a pink laser was shooting knowledge he already had into his head yeah now you've read about the Phil K. Dick's actual story. Right, okay. yeah. I've read pretty extensively about Philip, Philip K. Dick on... So, let's try to get a time for... Let's let's, let's put Valis aside now, and I'm not trying to no. put you as a Philip K. Dick expert here. Oh, yeah, definitely but just not. Let's, between the two of us, because I tried to look it up, can you give me a really brief sketch outline of Philip K. Dick's life? Like, not... I don't care where he's born, but I mean, like, basically... What he did, when drugs happened, was there a dead lady, when did the pink laser happen, and then when does Vallis happen in, you know? Um, well, I know Vallis happened in the early 80s. Like the, well, the, uh, whatever the date in the book says the it book is. book is 74. That is when it happened to him. He wrote that into the book, like, as when it actually happened. Okay. This is, this is him, like, eight years into having that happen to so him. So Vallis, let's, let's, Vallis isn't written, we're not talking about Vallis right, on right, the show right, right, right now. right, right, right. Philip K. Dick, the human being that is not in the book Valis, just Philip K. Dick, the man, right, had an experience where he saw literally a pink laser, and that pink Shoot laser downloaded right. information into him. Yes. Did he call the pink laser Valis back then? Do you know? No, he called it Zebra. Okay, so a lot. Of, so this story, they say it's autobiographical. That's what I was trying to figure out. So when he, when Phil K. Dick, not Val's Phil K. Dick, actual Phil K. Dick, had his experience, he called it zebra. Yes. Do we know why? Because that's part of my questions on this. Uh, the the same reasons Horse Lover called it that camouflage. Oh, it's, so yeah, literally, just it, yeah. that was that was the dumb name that popped in his head. Right. Right. Okay. So, but like he pre- has it in '74, so he'd been a sci-fi writer for quite a bit before that. Yeah, about 15 years. I think. And I do think we, he, like, early 60s, I think, is when he got started. Do we see a post-laser, pre-laser line in his writing? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and there's even, like, he had visions pre the pink laser. Oh, really? Like, the uh, okay. the three stigmata of Palmer Eldritch is based on an experience he actually had, too, where he looked up 
in the sky over his writing shed and saw a horrific face staring down at him. Oh, wow. And various other things over the years. Like, huh. like basically everything that happened in Vallis happened to Philip K. Dick. Yeah. Like, he... After 1974. But, like, previous to that, it was a lot of drug-related okay. weirdness. And, and Do we know if there's a dead lady that causes his spiral? I believe so. I think it might be actually one of his ex-wives. Because okay. he, he had four wives uh-huh. over the years. And she might have been the wife previous to the one he had a child with. Okay, yeah, because in the book, she's just some lady he knows. Uh, Gloria is, right? Yeah, it's either that or um, there's a lot of autobiographical stuff in A Scanner Darkly as well. Yeah. So characters that died in that are based on real people in his life that died. Okay, yeah. I I haven't read that in a really long time. I'm I'm assuming he has had a lot of dead people, a lot of dead women in his life. So in the the book, it's Gloria Knudsen. That's That's the inciting incident. Right. So... One, as as someone that fridges the girlfriend a lot in his work, uh, I do like that it's an inciting incident that has nothing to do with the rest of the book, because that's the yeah. way I write it. Like, I mean, that's not the way I write it. Shut up, Alex. But I'm not making this about me. It's, <clears throat> I just, I feel awkward approaching the topic without mentioning I do it. But um, I like that as an inciting incident. But I also love that, uh, I think my favorite character is that random, like, teenage girl. He, he bought drugs for him just because he thought she was cute. Yeah. I don't know why, but that lady stuck with me. Like, I wish she had come back. Like, I wish she was like the, you know. Right. Like, she ends up at the end. But I think she just disappears, right? Yeah, she just is, just disappears. That's that's unfortunate. But, uh. A lot like Gloria's, uh, what was it, Gloria's husband? Because, yeah, Gloria's husband was in there, too. So it was just a friend of his with a husband, I thought. Or was it her brother? Oh, I don't remember. So, uh, you know, we should probably cover this now because I think I, I just it, my entire Gloria point was I like that bit. Um, I think the opening to this book and uh, while, while I was reading this, I was texting with you saying, I don't think I've read Vallis before. I'd read Radio Free Albemuth. Um I one, I remember that book being a lot better yeah. than this one. And I suspect it doesn't have a lot of the first third of the book where it's long philosophical topics and conversations that lead nowhere and are ultimately just navel-gazy. Because I remember that book being a little bit more plot-oriented. Yeah, I would believe that. I think I think he kind of retrofitted Vallis into what it is out yeah. of. Like, like, a Radio Free Album with was probably just, just the part where the information gets downloaded into his brain and they go and find... Yeah, and I seem to remember there being stuff. a little bit more of like a... Not adventure, but a little bit more of like a action adventure vibe to it yeah just i mean just vibe wise not because this is this is navel gazy and i i think one of my main problems and especially in this first third is trying to sound too scholastic yeah like i hate I, i that's just kind of a personal pet peeve of mine but also if you're trying to be an unreliable narrator I think maybe you need to have a little bit more psychosis there yeah, to try to sell it. This just seems like he, like, like, it, like if you're a really shitty sci-fi writer and Phil K. Dick is not a shitty sci-fi writer, but if you're a really shitty sci-fi writer, your name would be, uh, 
to quote uh, MST3K, your name would be Slap Man Beef, and every girl wants to suck his dick. And, he, <laughs> and his, his rippling muscles were only less rippling when he held the pen to write his doctoral thesis. You yeah. know, that thing. Yeah. And it's a little bit like that of this, like, mm, maybe psychotic, but I know some fucking shit. We're just like, yeah. oh, shut up, Phil. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's that, that's kind of like him, his, his attempting to be a literary writer kind of coming through at the same time. Like, he yeah. wanted to be an expert. He wanted people to look at him as an expert. And I mean, he does a good enough job at it. I just don't find it enjoyable. No, yeah, that first like sixty pages is a slog because it's just that took me as long to as read that as book. it took the rest of the book. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that probably took me two weeks to read that. And I'm a fast reader, but it's like I I kept reading two pages and going, I didn't read a single fucking word of that, and had to go back and like you know take notes. And... Yeah, yeah, I, I end up hitting a point where I just kind of like pushed through. I was like, I I know I'm not getting everything. I'm just gonna keep moving. This something's got to be repeated later. Well, I did. So this goes a lot of the way I do John and Alex hate stuff. Uh, the the movie podcast I do. Everybody should listen to that. John and Alex hate stuff. <laughs> Available on all your podcatchers. Um, is I always take notes as it goes, just in case there's nothing to talk about, that so I can I can you know, refresh myself, look at the notes and things like that. So that first part is just laboriously writing all these things until the realization happens that none of this means anything. Right. To the point that you could excise every bit of the exegesis and the story is exactly the same. Yeah. Having the exegesis in there was completely unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, I think... Put pieces, little pieces. Yeah. I th- I think it's interesting. I think there's some people that, that, would li- that like that. But I don't think the end of the book pays off for the people that like that. No. So he's got this weird thing where it's, he's writing like a, the first part of the book, the people that like, um, uh, who's, 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 um, who's that shithead that killed himself that wrote the book about the asshole that likes tennis and the entire book is like, uh, is, is footnotes. Oh shit. Uh, uh, infinite jest. Yeah. Yeah. Phil, uh, David Foster Wallace. There we go. The first part of this book is like people that would like David Foster Wallace, which is like, hmm, look at look how interesting this is, and, and mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, this is really boring to read. And then the the, the kind of latter half of this book is the stuff I, I more like, where it's like, oh, this is actually interesting storytelling, and yeah. you're trying to put something together, but trying to mesh those two is just really doesn't work at all. Yeah, and. and- I think Radio Fee album with my memory, I kind of want to go back and read it to see if it's like, I think that might be the more streamlined version of it. Because I either want, like if this whole book was like the first third, I think I would have liked, I think I would gather more and more steam of liking it when I'm like, oh, this is fucking crazy. But when it's like, you kind of know it's going to turn into just a regular, you know, uh, A to B plot driven novel to a certain extent, it just sort of falls apart and you're like, oh, this is... I'd rather have the beginning gone or the beginning be the whole thing, not yeah. both. And... In a weird way, it, it he succeeds in something that I don't think he was actually trying to succeed in and that it kind of shows psychotic behavior in, yeah. in the way the prose is written. Like in the very, very beginning, it's slow, it's measured, it's all of that. And then all of a sudden, it's just snap. It's going fast. Yeah. And then it slows down again. Then it goes fast. It's almost like bipolar manic phases. No, there, there's a lot of that in here, and and I, I there's two, there's two kind of operant principles at, at play. Is did he mean it, and does it matter? Like, you know, if an artist is crazy and makes something amazing, does it matter if they were thinking about it in the ways that critics look at it, or right. does it matter? It's just, is it just the artist? Is it the raw? Cre- is it is art artisan? 
Like, like I, I think of writing as work. Mm-hmm. Like you do, you have to sit down and put, you know, put the, put the, uh, you know, the typing miles in. But is uh, that's obviously, I mean, that's true. But yeah, it's the same with drawing. But it, it, there's also the, um, who's who's a talentless soup can guy? What's his name? Uh, Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol, where he didn't know what he was. I think he was just like a slow boy that people like. Yeah. Not convinced that he was a really great artist, but like, does that matter? And it's yeah, like if... this kind of Phil K. Dick thing where, yeah, I like the way that he went manic to slow. I like how, like, normalcy trickles in at times and then gets pulled back away. Like, there's this almost like this, you nearly touch down at bedrock and then, nope, it's pulled away. And it is like this, this borderline kind of thing. Yeah, you never really find footing. But is that is that his choice as a writer, or did he just? That's just the way his you know his his, his crazy pink laser braid made it happen. You know, yeah. it's 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 an intro. I think I mean it, it's a larger conversation about art, but like yeah, what it, what it where is the art? Is the art in the kind of the accident of creation or is it in the, him having written for 20 years and having read that much and he knows how to craft the story? Yeah. Well, and I mean, and the other part is, is does it, does it ring as, as true if you don't know anything about Philip K. Dick? If you don't like know that at that point in his life, he was going psychotic, would it come off as psychotic writing or would it just come off as not knowing how to structure a story properly? It's hard for me to divorce myself from that, but I feel like this reads like a psychotic person writing. Yeah. Um, or it, let me put it, 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 this reads like someone trying to write as a psychotic. Yeah. And that's fine either way. Because, I mean, there is the kind of the early point where he screws up and calls himself horse instead of Phil. And he yeah. goes, oops, I mean, you know, and it's like this... Um, you know, obviously it's not an accident. It's, you know, he, he yeah. you know, his editors can delete that line. So it'd be the point, you know, oh, it's, yeah. it's this kind of, you know, this forced accent. So the awareness of it, but then also the clumsiness of it. I think, I think if you read this, not knowing it, like if you just found this on a shelf, I think it reads like it's either someone who's, who's go who is going through something and working it out via words or someone who's doing a damn fine job of, you know, pretending. Yeah, of mimicking. <laughs> yeah, of mimicking insanity. But I don't think it really particularly matters. Yeah. But I think it's effective that way. Except I don't think that makes for like those parts of it aren't enjoyable. The the kind of manic uh, scholarly aspect of it are not. It's just not enjoyable. Yeah. No. No. Not really. The enjoyable parts are kind of the almost like adventure story side of it or conspiracy theory side of it. Well, I mean, some of it, so I think he writes. I think his character work is better than I think people give it a credit for. Like, I think Kevin is funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think he was my favorite character throughout. Yeah. Kevin's a really funny, like, that cat thing running yeah. through. Like, that part where he can't, they have to hold him back and fail to hold him back. That he has to run and yell at Christ because his cat got hit by a car is fucking funny. 
Oh like, yeah, that that was great. And they he name drops him in here, but it reminds me of Robert Anton Wilson. And Robert Anton yeah. Wilson gets referenced. I think Kevin actually references him. Yes. But yeah. like I oh maybe Kevin is Robert Anton Wilson. Maybe that's who Oh, that could be. Yeah, I, I know I know that. a lot oh, of Oh, the... yeah, you know what? That's exactly Oh, that's yeah, that's why I like him too. I bet you he was writing Robert Anton Wilson as Kevin. Yeah, that could be because yeah. a lot of the characters are based on people but not with different names. Yeah, oh, that's got to be cuz now that now that I'm thinking about it, that's so totally a Robert Anton Wilson thing where he's kind of just being a dick but he sort of believes and doesn't yeah. oh that totally makes sense but um his character work is really interesting like i like that and for someone that's not in the book his wife isn't a his ex-wife a beth yeah. she's not some screaming 1970s uh ex-wife stereotype right she's like politely asking for money yeah like there's not at one point um she she gives a sick burn where uh she said something along the lines of you can't do anything right when he failed to kill himself. Yeah. But like that, like that's it. It's not like yeah. it, that could have been handled so inelegantly for the time, but they actually like, it seems like she has life that she didn't get fleshed out in that way. Right. Right. And even, even in when she took the child, I can't remember the son's name. Christopher. Christopher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When she took Christopher, it wasn't painted as malicious. It, it, I, I think no, her husband it, was, it was obviously it was a fucking speed sympathy. addict. It's going nuts, and she yeah. get, she, she has to get the child out of the house. As the yeah. nuts person who had their actual child taken away, writing that in a sympathetic light yeah. is impressive. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to overstep saying it's sympathetic. I just think it's empathic. It's <laughs> it's less shitty than one. It's the 1970s when he's writing yeah. this, or, or early 80s when he's writing this. Uh, to male sci-fi author. This is, we're yeah. already on top of the mountain of not treating women particularly well. Right, right. To have any form of life that isn't just the screaming harlot, harpy ex-wife is interesting. Um, the, uh, as I said, I love the, the, the dope dealer next door. Mm-hmm. I also love that, and I guess squares maybe still use it that way, but it's interesting that dope is the word for all drugs back then. Oh, yeah. Which now it basically just means heroin. Yeah. But back then it was like LSD, dope, pot, dope. <laughs> yeah, everything dope. was everything dope. Everything was dope. And it was just kind of, it was just it, like this cute little, like it seems so like kind of adorable. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think weed is the only thing that they didn't call dope and they they called that grass. And I think at one point they actually called that dope too. Yeah, yeah. they probably did. Um. So, yeah, characters. Oh, the other characters I thought were interesting too where – this, I think, was the best choice he made in the book. And obviously, we're going completely out of order. At the end, uh, we have a question, and we're going to try to synopsize. That's close <laughs> enough to the word. Uh, the book for, for one of our for one of the listeners. But um, when he goes to the uh, the the guy that made Vallis's house. I can't think of his name. Yeah. Right oh, Eric God. Lampert or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think it was the Lamptons. The Lampton yeah. family. No, is that supposed to be Eric Clapton? I think it's either Eric Clapton. No, no, sorry, or, not Eric Clapton. I, I think meant... it's David Bowie. Oh, I was thinking uh, Beatles guy. Uh, George Harrison? No, 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 the shitty, the the the, <laughs> uh, the, the alive one, uh, Paul McCartney. Because he's okay. got a wife, okay. Linda. He's into like weird hippie shit. It could be. Maybe it's that just the be. wife, Linda, that threw me. Um, yeah. But well, the Lampton Clapton. Oh, yeah, it could be Bowie because at some point he said like the Mars stuff. Oh, yeah, that probably was Bowie. Yeah. and um... But this, again, this is weird reading it in 2000. 2000- 19 
I bet you that was a lot more obvious back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah, probably. And like all the Linda Ronstadt references. I, I barely know who Linda Ronstadt is, and I'm sure that actually means something yeah. more than... Hmm. No, yeah. Well, and uh, who is the sick guy that did the music? I'm trying oh, to remember. Oh, Minnie. Minnie, yeah. yeah. He was Brian Eno. Like, 100%. He was Brian Eno. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um but I don't know Brian Eno well. I, I mean, I know him as his musical exploration, but I don't know about like, you know, other stuff. But yeah. okay, so anyway, when he goes, when he goes there and meets them, I think interesting character choice. And beyond, I think I, I keep going back to whether it's madness or, or craft, <laughs> but it's so much easier to write them as actual gods. Because yeah. when they first show up, it's like, oh, fuck, are these, you know, avatars of the Apollo head right, or the hell right, he said? right. So much easier to write it that way than to write it as he thinks they are for a minute and then the kind of, you know, little Bodhisattva Buddha girl, you know, Christ incarnate, you know, Krishna consciousness, two-year-old is like, yeah, watch out for those people. Like, they're fucking crazos. Like, they're totally like, they're going to try to fuck you and then you're probably going to die. Like, I mean, it was like, what a great, like, that is a far more kind of eloquent, subtle choice than I that I think Phil K. Dick generally is capable of. Oh, yeah. No, he's not exactly the king of subtlety. Yeah. And, yeah, like, they're, they're subtle insanity. Well, they definitely seemed like they were cultists. That, like, they seemed, like, genuinely, like, welcoming and nice. And they're, But they're popular musicians. They're, like, you know, so, like, they're being written as this is going to be a cool commune, maybe some yeah. white swapping type stuff. But it, like, turns to, like, they're probably going to get killed. Like, I mean, it, oh, yeah. there's, like, this sinister turn, and it's 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 done really subtly, and it's kind of amazing. And then the the kind of, the the, the topper, the, the least powerful person in that house, the mini, kills Jesus with a fucking mind laser. Yeah. Like, yeah. one, I can't believe I just said kills Jesus with a mind laser. Yeah. I kind of love my life just for that one moment because yeah. that just happened. And people are going to listen to this. I mean, not many, but people are going to listen yeah. to me say kill Jesus <laughs> with a mind laser. And that's kind of rad. But, like, what a fucking great sequence of events. And again, that end of the book, it becomes like this, oh, I think that's, it's really, yeah, yeah. What a, what an interesting kind of character study and then interesting. Oh, yeah. Tr- yeah. Well, yeah, and as, as, as somebody that has a two-year-old at home, it like even the idea of having a two year old that spoke that eloquently with parents yeah. that are th- that insane and have their that child's safety so far away from their thoughts, yeah, that they let the 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 crazy laser dude shoot her in the head <laughs> with a laser, and it really really hit me hard. Like that part hit me harder than most pretty much any of the rest of the book. Just the. They seemed like caring parents. They seemed like genuinely caring yeah. parents. Well, they were. They just, they they thought that they were going to get the Jesus brain stuff yeah, to they, communicate they, with a laser. I mean, that, they, I mean they, as dumb as that sounds, like that's, that's not them not caring. That's them yeah. misunderstanding the universe. Yeah, they cared more about the idea of what their child was than their actual child. Well, it was, well, I mean, it wasn't the guy's child. I mean. No, but I mean, they let the guy shoot. Jesus in the head no, of the no, mind. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Christopher. I mean, the 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 male of the male female couple. That's not his kid. Vallis inseminated her. Yeah, and it's, it's this of, is a virgin birth. I didn't trust that. You don't. You no, know, but that's not the. I don't trust that either. But they do. 
True, Which true. is kind of the, the narrative we have to trust. Because keep in mind, none of this story happened, if you think about it. Yeah. We have two unreliable narrators. Yeah. One is a fake Philip K. Dick who admits that he's having multiple personality problems. Yeah. And then on top of that, he's inventing his character, Horse Lover Fat, who he's writing about, who's also him, who's also having multiple personalities. Yeah. So we have two multiple personality people, or whatever you call multiple personality this way. I don't remember the, yeah. the modern term for it. But... um. Two multiple personalities. So there's no objective narrator. So you yeah. can, like, if if we boil it down and say, what do we think happened in this book? It is impossible to say because there is no ground to stand on. There's yeah. not a single yeah. sentence in this book that we can say is 100% true. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And, like, even in that in that part of the book, the horse lover fat personality disappears. Yeah, he gets reincorporated into yeah. Philip K. Dick. Yeah. Yeah, and Philip K. Dick has all of his memories, and there's like residual horse loverness. And but shortly, because horse lover makes a re detaches again shortly after. Yeah, when he gets the call from Linda Lampton after yeah, Minnie the shoots the baby in yeah. the head with a laser, and she says she's pregnant again, and. Like that part, I, I I really dug the characterization there because it kind of sounded like she was not into the idea of this next child being a Jesus. It almost sounded more like she, like the way they wrote her, it sounded like she was like, nope, this is just going to be yeah. my child. Yeah, I know. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And also, well, I mean, she's not impregnated by Valis this time, it seems like. Yeah. But, but, but the, I mean, I guess we, I guess we need to kind of talk about like the overall, what the book is. So, um. Again, I'm going to be navel gazy here for a second. Um, so, so I wrote Periphery, which you read, and, and I'm sure yeah. some of the audience has. I would hope so. I wrote it from a perspective that the narrative tricks it takes to, because I mean, not to be too, if you haven't read Periphery, maybe, and you're planning on it, I'm going to spoil some stuff here. <laughs> but the narrative tricks it takes to pull off multiple characters maybe being the same people. And, you know, some of the kind of overlapping time stuff that happens in Periphery. I'm coming from, a, a, you know, a, a, a trustable narrator, third person, a, you know, omnipotent. Like, so the narrator has to be believed. So there's certain phrases that have to be used to kind of talk your way around things. Right. So nothing is untrue. So you have to believe the narrator, even though you know the narrator is not being truthful. There is zero truthful narration in this. And it's an easier way to pull it off. So there's no, and as much as I want to argue about it, and I hope we can, but there's no argument to be made to either side. So this this could be Philip K. Dick in the insane asylum, kind of towards the beginning of the the beginning of the book. Yeah, made up the entire rest of this, and that's as valid as any other reading, because we don't have a narrator we can trust. At no point do we have. Maybe for half a chapter when Horse Lover gets reintegrated. But even then, there's references to Philip K. Dick's alter ego that lives in that weird cabin by a lake that he's never been to. Right, right. So it, so we have nothing. We have no ground to stand on. Yeah, there's you know? no reliability. But I mean, yeah. it all, I guess it all really depends on which part of the narrative you choose to believe. Because, I mean, there are definitely some characters in there that think they're telling the truth throughout the entire story. Yes, but we only see those characters through Philip K. Dick, the character's eyes. Right. Not Philip K. Dick, the sci-fi writer. Philip yeah, K. Dick, the, the sci-fi writer, is writing Philip K. Dick, the character, and the character is writing this story. Through from, horse from, lover fat. 
Well, no, because he says I at times. He's using horse over fat in third person because he says I as himself, as Philip. Yeah. So anybody in the book, like Kevin, could have been a complete fabrication from right. character Philip K. Dick. He might not even exist. Right. So it's an interesting kind of, I mean, I, so like, I mean, I guess we just have to go to the, the, the kind of main thrust. What do you think happened in the events of this book, mm-hmm. removing Phil K. Dick, the author, from it? Right. Let's, let's, what is your opinion happened in the book, Vallis? Oh, God. Like, if, if there can be a, a sequence of narration that tells an actual story of real-life people living in a real-life world. Now, that real-life world could be controlled by a space monster yeah. satellite. That's fine. I just mean, as far as the sci-fi story, Valis, what what do you think the 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 reality of this story is? Like a summary? I, I mean, I guess. <laughs> All right, so let me... Here, I'll go first, and then you can, you yeah. can respond. All right, so... Our lead character, Phil K. Dick... We don't know yet. Is this weird kind of uh, nurse style personality that can only kind of he basically gets off on watching people die because it's the only way he can kind of think of, he thinks of himself as a saver. He's got a messianic mm-hmm. complex. His this person he sort of cares for, but maybe not Gloria, kills herself, which causes a complete schism in his personality, creating an alternate personality, horse lover fat. At, from that point on, we believe we're hearing the story of Horse Lover Fat, who goes to a mental institution uh, because of seeing the Vallis light, the the zebra light, yeah, which is associated with the Gloria thing. There's a bunch of bunk talking wise, and they see the movie Vallis, which has factors of the story that Horse Lover went through in it, right. Philip K. Dick, the sci-fi writer who is involved in movies, gets in touch with the makers of this through a cipher. They meet up, 70s commune. See, I don't even know if I can go this far as these events happened. So, I don't know that... I I don't know that the movie Vallis existed. Because... I, I feel like in the the more efficient storytelling, and I think the one that maybe is the better read of it, is that once we get to the movie Vallis coming out, the the events of the story only happen in Horse Lover Fat's head. Yeah. Because his exegesis has been written enough that we understand the, the light, we understand the Messiah coming back, the Empire never ended, it's going to be the fifth one, et cetera, et cetera. I guess, so I think the events of the story might end right there. That they never go to Northern California, because that's the thing referenced in in Philip's alternate reality. Yeah. The movie isn't real. Yeah. The rest of the story is invented by Horse Lover, because from then on, the split personality doesn't make any more sense, because especially the reintegration... A little too easy, but then the deintegration doesn't make sense that he's writing cards to himself from the other side of the world yeah. and his friends don't mention it. So I think my my 
my leaning is towards the the book is a deeper psychotic break than we're giving cr- credit for. Christopher was was cured because this is the type of person that would read medical textbook upon medical textbook, right? And just absolutely prattle on to doctors and they said, "If if you'll shut up, we'll test them for that." Right. One of his dumb weirdo theories came true, thus curing his son through Valis, even though it was just him being a nutso. Yeah. He goes through a full psychotic break and invents the movie Valis, invents the whole cipher because these are trademark psychotic, you know, schizoid kind of personality types. Yeah. And then in his own schizoid head, he gets cured. And what happens after he gets cured? He gets to go off and live by himself, completely disparate from Philip K. Dick. Yeah. So I think that's one of the reads. Now, what do you think happened in this book? (laughs) Well, I, I, I like your read. Um, but I'm not sure if it was the first suicide attempt or the second suicide attempt where he had the full break. Because he did a second suicide attempt by taking too much of his heart medication. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So it could actually be the result of him attempting suicide without the without the context of the person doing it before him. Like his first pure, like on his own suicide attempt, it might have been enough to push him over the edge once okay. once Christopher was gone. Suddenly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Suddenly, he was just completely on his own with nobody to care for, and he didn't even care for himself. Yeah, and then, and then that's where he gets obsessed with Sherry because right. she's dying, like Gloria. Uh, right. So it might be that he even invented Sherry while he yeah, was, was in rehab. That. After his second suicide attempt. Because Sherry's too perfect for him in that she's like goes to church but doesn't believe in it because she just wants right. to fuck the, uh, the, the, the priest. Because like after the second time in the mental institution where they spend some time in it yeah. and they spend time with him doing therapy and all of that stuff. That's when it feels like a more reliable narration. Yeah. But it could feel that way because he's inventing it. Yeah. From that point on, everything's invented. And yeah, him. Because also the story gets weirder from there on a plot level. Right, right. Like it becomes more of a sci-fi story. So that would be a sci-fi guy in an institution writing the rest of the story. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, this is so. This is my my kind of because also the um, it's tough to discuss because of the unreliable narrator. But like the if the rest of the story happened. In, in quote-unquote reality. the Somebody sending the cipher back and forth, the the King Felix. Yeah. That, that would have to ground us in a reality that would allow for them going up to Northern California and visiting with Lamberts and all that stuff being either in part or fully real. Yeah. Which... So then we'd have to accept this as a, as a story of actual divine intervention or, you know, technological intervention. Yeah. Which I think makes it for a less interesting story. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because then we'd also, I mean, we have to basically truncate the last part of the story and just say this was all in his head. Yeah. Which is, I mean, a little easy, too. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, there's definitely, like, character cues where that would be the case. Like, even, like, Kevin suddenly is starting to believe him 
suddenly like and that happens really yeah thank you for bringing that up because i made a note somewhere in my dumb notes here of that exact thing is that kevin one starts believing but then two gets really quickly well read about biblical stuff yeah yeah he just like suddenly happens like he's he's converted yeah without any effort basically he starts talking like fat right makes me think oh shit is this just fat narrating his friend yeah and like this person for the first like hundred pages was berating fat for his beliefs and yeah. suddenly watching a single movie one time yeah makes him a believer yeah totally and and the movie thing is weird too because a lot of the stuff he talked about in the movie is like oh i didn't see it either until i saw it like it's almost like they're inventing stuff like it's it's like two really fucking strung out people going oh yeah and then that that scene in the background if you look really carefully it's like room um 220 whatever that documentary about the shining right about right fucking crazy ass people that like think that the shining is a meta narrative about the like native americans or uh, faking the moon yeah. landing and etc which is like yeah oh this is this is just fucking bonkers crazy people being bonkers it's like the the uh, flat earth convention where it's like Oh, you're just you're just piling stuff on stuff because you have no one else to talk to, and yeah. and that seems like maybe the end. Yeah, but what? I guess I want like <laughs> I know I don't know if I want. So all right, let's 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 uh, thought experiment the other way. If the events happened, and not let's take Valis out of it. Not take it out of it, but let's let's not say that Valis is a laser, a god. Uh, overlapping time cave, yeah. whatever the fuck it is. Um, let's just say the 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 things that can happen on the, the events that can happen on the planet as we understand it in a materialist universe happened. Yeah. Does this hold up as like? Could all of the things in this book happen if he's just a psychotic going on a break? Like, could he have met up with Lambert? Could uh, could that child have spoken that way? I mean, I guess if we do it that way, we have to say that that laser is real. That yeah, the laser would have to be real, or some kind of. Well, you have a kid, so let's say yeah. let's say not to say your kid's like dumber than I never met him. I don't even know if it's a him. Uh, I think it is. It's a him. Yeah. Um, let's say your kid is a fucking like mad genius. Let's say a, like like Albert Einstein, two year old. With with an earpiece in. Yeah. Is that even remotely possible? Oh, God, no. Okay, right? Like, two is two. Like, maybe oh, four. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, no, a, like, like a genius four-year-old could pull that yeah, off. Yeah, he, like, strings five words together at most. Yeah. So, like, like, even, like, if your kid's, you know, average, above average. Yeah. Like, multiply that by ten, you're still not getting. Oh, God, no. Not even just with an earpiece. Oh, That's impossible. No, no like, if, if my son were to suddenly start speaking like that little girl did. I would be scared shitless. Well, no, beyond that, let's say let's say your son is is what? How how much smarter can a two year old be? Let's say five times smarter. No, that's probably yeah. way too much. Three times. Yeah, I, 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 that's probably still within human. Yeah, capability. yeah, yeah. Okay, so your your son's five times three times smarter, and he's got an earpiece, and someone's feeding him words. Yeah. Do you think a three times smarter version? No. No, right? Because if no. you're only feeding five words together, that's yeah. Well, right? then on okay. top of that, they'd have to understand the concept of copying what you're saying. Well, I mean. Kids do understand that they can parrot. Like, kids parrot yeah. a lot. And that's how, that's most of what my son says to me is something that I've said to him. He no, says th- it right back to me. But this kid was talking, like, talking, talking. Yeah, well, that's And responding tra- and... Well, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, so, so the two options here are the kid's got an earpiece, which they say in the story, 
and is yeah. parroting responses that somebody else is giving. Right. But also we need somebody to be able to give those responses. And it seems like the Lamberts are not possible. Mini no. don't ha- it doesn't have that. The other option is that the laser is embedding knowledge into her. Right. But, I think that would be the only way it would actually work. But the problem with that is that the laser kills her like a few months later. Well, it's a human-made laser. No, no, no but when she's talking... Oh, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. So, no, sorry. I, I meant we're, we're uh, uh, metaphysical yeah. aspects or we're, we're wiping that away for a second. Right, right, right. I meant the laser that Minnie made. Right. The only way for her to speak that way is either earpiece, which I think we've debunked. Yeah. And if there's some kind of laser... You know, basically controlling her and having, but right, we. I don't think we can even bring that up because she gets killed by the laser. If we're going to take that as, yeah. as truth, shortly after, so the laser obviously doesn't work well enough to perform that. Yeah. So the events after the psychotic break. Well, you're right. The second suicide attempt would have to be either a godhead of some kind or advanced aliens. Right. Yeah. I lean towards Godhead myself. Yeah. Well, the satellite thing is interesting, and the fact that it's a laser, not a... Not anything else. Yeah. Well, I mean, because he talks about, like, like the... I mean, various, you know, uh, uh, philosophies. He doesn't use a philosophical term for the pink light. He says it's a laser. Yeah. That's an interesting. I think that's a that's an interesting term. Yeah. Because if you if if it were to be read as a technological thing, I think horse lover stroke Phil, which sounds gross, <laughs> wouldn't call it a laser. He would call it a the hypostatic union as seen by you know Ajna Hugh of the third chakra something yeah which that vaguely made sense but you know some some kind of something something a bit more grandiose yeah. or at least than like the, he talks about the 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 ajna i don't know how to say the the third eye in indian um ajna anja i am not a, sure a, a, the anja i think it is aja ajna Aj, the third eye in yeah. in, 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 in Hindu whatever it is um uh, it's the problem with me reading books i don't know what anything's i don't know how <laughs> most words are said oh out i'm loud. right there with you on that um so you would think you would say like, oh, it's it's a hue of pink as seen through the third eye, right? Um, but he doesn't. He calls it he calls it you know a laser. Yeah, a laser from, and I think the term satellite is even used, but it's ancient satellite. Yeah, ancient satellite would have used, which I don't know if the Black Knight satellite that wasn't known back in the early eighties, right? Do you know Black Knight uh, satellite? Have you heard about that? No, no. It's this picture of what? Well, NASA says it's a uh, cooling blanket like fell off a ship <laughs> and i, I kind of think they're right because if you look at it that way it kind of looks like but it's this picture yeah. of this thing and they say it's this ancient satellite that's been orbiting earth for two hundred thousand years some some, some well, i think that. i might have heard something yeah. about that um i wonder if he's referencing that or you know they were referencing it when they just when they made it up all right so anyway th- just trying to break it down is our choices are "Quote unquote divine intervention," uh, you know the the Sophia, the thing above Yaldabaoth, the 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 Hebrew god that fake created the universe. Well, created the universe, but is not the one true god. Made contact with man through this pink beam, 
to bring on the next you know uh incarnation of the godhead in the you know in the in the mythos is the krishna consciousness which is buddha yeah. which is which is christ which is muhammad etc cetera, etc cetera. krishna's consciousness is going to come back is that little girl sophia and obviously her name's fucking sophia i mean way to way to way to hide the narcissism <laughs> there phil um so the truth is are either that's back or it is a you know i think we can say not human technology but like you know ancient technology or our technology in the future because time doesn't exist. Yeah. And though time does exist because he says it as it says it stops. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just trying to like what what's the most reasonable way to read this book? I mean they talk about reasonable. Like what's the what's what's our best guess as to what what actually happened in this? I mean not what happened, but what because we have I think in our discussion we've we pared it down. It's either psychotic break yeah ancient alien stroke future humans or you know the godhead making contact yeah and then I... the godhead making contact brings up all the problems that kevin brings up of why do you why'd you make a dumb cat why'd my cat die why'd you make a dumb cat why does she have cancer and then the only answer is well huh, mysterious right right well and then like you can even go through the entire book and like why did uh what was your name gloria why did gloria commit suicide yeah why did all of fats and um Beth? What was her? What was Beth his wife? is his wife that he uh, he had the H. Christopher with his Beth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, him and wife, him and uh, Beth's pets all got tumors and died. Why? Yeah. Like if if like Kevin's right, like if 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 that God exists yeah. and is is doing all that stuff, why? But I yeah, and then I, uh, God, it sucks that we have like, to. Keep that makes no sense. It. it doesn't. But also, <laughs> did his pets get cancer and die? Because I've known weirdo fucking schizo people that just make up dumb shit and just go, oh, yeah, they all got cancer die, but it was over, you know, a three-year span. And right. the cats were fucking 14. But in their head, it's a conspiracy because the yeah. cats died in three years. But it's like, but I mean, yeah, since, it's an, since it's an unreliable narrator, yeah. you can't tell if, if 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 they all develop the tumors at the same time. Maybe they suddenly, maybe they just moved under a, like, under a house under power lines. Yeah. And all of them did develop tumors. Yeah. But for completely unrelated reasons. But then the ex-wife, I meant to say this before, but the ex-wife being Gloria, which is like, you know, in Gloria Excelsior, it's Deo, like, that's yeah. like, that's like a term, that's like a very Catholic word in reference to the Catholic maths. Yeah. Like, like Gloria is like the glory of God, etc. Um, it's probably not exactly that. Shut up, audience, if you're correct. You get what I'm fucking coming at. Um then the child being Sophia, it seems like the, the, the narrative, the names of the people involved are too convenient in certain ways that it's like it's this has to be yeah a sci-fi writer <clears throat> going insane yeah yeah definitely this is i think like my 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 favorite read of it is that it's a map of philip k dick's mental breakdown yeah that is just it's <clears throat> it's a map of the things he saw during his mental breakdown that basically just turned him like I think Vallis is one of his last books before he actually died. Yeah, he dies pretty shortly after. Yeah, yeah, because he yeah. died super young. He yeah. died, he died uh, like a month before Blade Runner came out. Oh, shit. Wow. Uh. He got to see an early cut of Blade Runner and like the story, like the story goes that like he saw it and he was just like awestruck and he's, he like couldn't believe somebody would do that with his story. Yeah. It was the only time any of his stories got adapted at that point. Oh, and he saw the early cut, which was good. So yeah, yeah. yeah before yeah. the voiceover. Yeah. <laughs> And that was like 1986. 
I think it's even earlier than I think Blade Runner is like eighty four. Yeah, he didn't. He died before it came out in the theaters. Yeah, that's correct. What, what year is Blade Runner? I should know this. We just did the, the later Blade Runner on the show. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, as I'm typing this, <clears throat> uh, oh, eighty two. Uh, as I'm typing this in, uh, Alex Coopersmith. Uh, thank you. No, I did it again. Alex Coppersmith. I did it. I mispronounced your name too, Eric Miller. Um, <laughs> it's Millar, I know. I think I pronounced it right the first time. But uh, uh, Alex Coppersman, thank you very much for uh, your insights uh, while reading it. Vanessa Kindle, thank you very much for your insights. Uh, what? Wait, let me just make sure we didn't miss anything. Um, I think we kind of covered it, even though we didn't really. Oh, okay. So. Um... Oh, we kind of covered. She asked, which of PKD horse love chess theories do you find the most plausible? So we covered that. She also wants to know who was re- who really was the little Sophia and what does it mean to walk towards the dawn in slippers? Uh, which I was thinking about because that's towards the end they talk about that. Like, And I God. think... Um, I, I might have the quote in here. Uh, yeah, what is that in reference It's to? right at the end. Um, Uh, 214. It's, uh, oh, you have the same book as me. 214. It's talking about Linda Ronstadt. Um, one of the many Linda Ronstadt's references. Yeah. Uh, so Linda Ronstadt song, and she sang more beautifully than any time I have ever heard her sing before. She sang to walk towards the dawn. You must put your slippers on. Um, and it's him kind of meditating on what do slippers mean? So uh, during the next day, I tried to figure out what the cryptic words referred to. Slippers, dawn, what did I associate with the dawn? And then he goes into like uh, the aurora borealis, meaning the thing, uh, aurora being east, the dawn, the blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, well, uh, there's this ancient philosopher that they only found his golden slippers on the edge of volcano. Was he taken up to the sky bodily or did he toss himself in? But I took that as, because um, uh, uh, there's a quote later that says, uh, walk towards the dawn in slippers is, uh, that's awakening. Mm-hmm. So you have to wake up before you can see the sun is when you wake up, you put your slippers on. So it's like you have to at least be awake enough to know which way to walk. Yeah, towards, yeah, towards, yeah, I would agree with that. Towards yeah. Sophia, towards the light, towards towards Valis. Yeah. yeah. I didn't. I, I, well, thank you, Vanessa. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you, Alex Coppersmith. Um I have a friend named Lillian Cooper, and it's really hard for me to say copper. It's just like my – I've known her for 20-something years. So, like, my, my mouth does not want to say copper. Yeah. Um, the um, – what was I just saying? Uh, things, stuff, Philip K. Dick, thanking people. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know who Sophia was in the context of it. I mean, I guess we talked about it is either it's a psychotic break or, you know, the stuff we discussed before. But I don't – I think it's a hard read to make her actually the godhead, especially dying the next day. Yeah, I would definitely in like, the months following. Yeah. I, I I think that Sophia was either like the embodiment of Valis, or a two year old that everybody thought was saying really profound shit, but was actually just a two year old talking, and their yeah. their psychotic <clears throat> brains were hearing profound things when really all they were hearing was "I want milk." It's true. I mean, I, yeah, we didn't really actually get to that to like kind of put a fine point on it that if it is Philip K. Dick slash horse lovers view of the universe, nothing she said necessarily had to be what she said, but it's weird that if he's inventing this little, not inventing the little girl, but inventing the words out of little girl's mouth, because it sounds like him. It sounds like something you'd write. Right. Jesus. It's weird that he would invent her quote unquote parents to be 
creepy, like, I want to fuck you 1970s, 60s style compound folks. Like, he references Jim Jones a few times in this. Right. It's, it's odd that he would, I mean, I guess it's just the paranoia coming through. It's just weird that you would view paranoia through them. Well, and, and not only that, the parents heard the child saying different things than he was hearing. Like, the kid was telling him to not trust them. Yeah, but she said that, or at least it was said that uh, the what they would hear is her reading from the Sefer, Sefer the, yeah. the Jewish book of mysticism that I can't think of the second word. Sefer is, oh, fucking Eric Arneson's going to kill me. Oh, <laughs> God, this one time I forgot my middle name. Like I just had this like brain fart and then I started panicking and just none of the circuits were fired. Literally, right, I couldn't right. think of my fucking middle name. I'm doing it right now. I, I'm not going to think about it. But anyway, um. Yeah, but if, because if what they were hearing was her reading from a book of Jewish mysticism, that's just as weird. Yeah, it is. It is, but it's 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 almost like she's saying you're not crazy; they are. Yeah, yeah. So it's still just it's still coming through. Yeah, because yeah. did the did the parents even mention that that's what they were hearing the entire time? No, but they didn't mention much, really. Yeah, exactly. So. They might not have actually heard anything, or maybe the recording wasn't even actually happening, because it was the little girl that told them, it was Sophia that told them that they were recording everything. Yeah. So it could just be a babbling two-year-old no, that you're right. everybody is taking as this profound godhead. Yeah, and then, then, and the, then weird, the weird uncle breaks her. Yeah. yeah, the weird uncle shoots a laser into her head. And, and I, Yeah, story as old as time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, all right, we're, we're, we're past an hour. So let me, um, let me just go through my, your, why don't you flip pages through yours, see if you have anything we didn't touch on. Uh, I think that it, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't say the quote, um, it is sometimes an appropriate response to reality to go insane, oh, which yeah. is, uh, in the first chapter of the book, which is, um, uh, I think an important thing, you know, um, yeah, I like the, uh, I wrote down the first time Kevin's dead cat cat came up is why did God save your son but not my dead cat? And it boils down to, one, God does not exist. Two, anyhow, he's stupid. <laughs> That's a direct cat quote. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyhow, he's stupid. Yeah, which, but it turns out the cat was stupid at the end, which yeah, is yeah. really, really the, the, the that, running narrative. Uh, yeah. yeah. And Well, was it... Uh, was it the cat that was stupid or Kevin that was stupid for obsessing over the cat? Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, here's one thing we didn't get to is the form one and form two of permanentities, but like, I don't, I don't really want to. Um, um, oh, so here's the, I mean, we kind of skimmed over, but the Akhenaten thing where Akhenaten was one of the theories in the early ancient astronauts thing was that he was an alien. Yeah. Uh, he's the first one to worship uh, Aton, the the sun. He was the first kind of not the first. Shut up, audience at home. <laughs> he was he was notable for being somewhat of a monotheistic person, uh, for worshiping Aton above the other gods. And they think he's he was a uh, kind of uh, reference point, or the shitty seventies theory said he was a reference point, and maybe even an earlier telling of the Moses story. But that he was an alien, uh, and it, with three eyes is what they say in this one. But what's interesting in the three eye thing is that the third eye, the pineal gland, is actually a remnant of the third eye that lizards have. That that is a uh, a thing that um, uh, senses when sunlight is around. 
so it's like this really early primal light or like i don't know what it does i guess it changes you know how much uh, sunlight you take in to create vitamins or whatever yeah but interesting little uh thing that i don't know if they knew that back in the 70s uh the plasmate are the good guys basically uh we didn't really touch on that but it doesn't really matter oh i did like that um so the in in the in the the story of a kind of like the 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 universe is infected by an outside entity and we didn't even touch on the iron prison ship, yeah the black but, iron prison but um the universe is infected by this entity and it's little shards of metal in it and basically like the the buddhas and the krishna consciousness people like christ if you want to word it in the western way are like antibodies to the bits of metal like the shards of metal stuck yeah. in the universe really interesting concept i don't know if that's it's well one it, it sort of sounds scientology e. Yeah, which you know, like uh, which wouldn't surprise me actually. Well, but that's what I'm saying with the Crowley thing is like you can if he knew if he knew uh, that generation of sci-fi writer he would know Crowley so he would know Hubbard. Right. You know, well, not that he knew Crowley. Crowley died a little bit earlier, but Hubbard knew Crowley and Hubbard wrote about Thetans and it's kind of yeah. interesting like reference point. But I mean, right. you know, maybe the, again, maybe they all stole it from the same thing. You know. Yeah. Um. In chapter three, I took note of the. Uh, at one point, he heard the radio saying terrible things to him. So there's actually previous reference to auditory hallucination. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. So he was hearing the radio saying nasty things. So how could, you know, maybe yeah. maybe he was inventing what Sophia was saying as well. Yeah, which comes like later when the, when the TV commercials had a Felix the Cat followed by a uh, King something yeah right right he's constructing narratives out of yeah. the things that which is very much the yeah. way kind of at least my friends have gone insane the ones have gone insane that i had to deal with ages of that like this synchronicity that means absolutely nothing yeah um the other thing i want to point out was that uh it's um page 175 he was talking about uh building the black prison were these ugly builders along with hephaestios and i think any 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 book that makes grandiose reference to Hephaestus, the builder of Greek mythology, <laughs> is a piece of shit. Like, that is a garbage, awful book. I got so excited when I saw Hephaestus in here. I was like, oh, shit, that's my boy. I wrote a book about him. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's all my notes. Uh, anything else? Uh, I, I have like seven pages of notes that I don't really want to go through. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I think we covered all the kind of, I mean, we didn't really talk about like the black prison. I mean, but I mean, what's there to say? It's we're, this is pretty... Well, it's, bog it's, standard philosophical stuff is like we're we're especially in the new age thing is we're in this lower energy kind of thing we're stuck in a prison and we need to raise our vibrations to get out yeah. and find the right way i mean it's pretty well what yeah. was the what was the opposite called the tropical tropical island something or other uh, i don't remember yeah uh-huh. nobody nobody knows that one everybody knows the black iron prison nobody yeah. knows the 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 opposite the tropical well, because we, we live there, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't fucking know anything about the tropical resort, you know, I live yeah. in the Black Iron Prison. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's, it's the only one that actually like, it's kind of, kind of cool sounding. <laughs> Black Iron Prison has a good ring to it. Yeah. Tropical anything sounds like a drink. Yeah. But I mean, any, if you've known anybody that owns crystals and doesn't shave their armpits, like you've heard about to raise your vibrations to get out of the, you know, the, right. the prison we're trapped in, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And. Like, I mean, it's I, a prison planet, <laughs> <laughs> which, by the way, guys, that's what he's fucking talking about. I know yeah. I know Alex Jones is, is laughed at now, but like he was into all the same shit we are. He just went. The, he just turned right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, Philip K. Dick is the same way. He just went crazy. Yeah. 
We're, you know, we're started that way. Yeah. Um, we took a lot of speed. Yeah. Uh, I'd love some speed right now. <laughs> Let us disrupt this conversation and generate a plug. <laughs> Eric Miller, you, you are, you are the, the creator of many books. But, yes. Um, shut up about those. Let's talk about the last one. Uh, disruption generator. That's the one. I mean, the one that I've, I'm trying to stop talking about. <laughs> no, just tell them where to get it. I'm not saying we oh, have a conversation did, about it. <laughs> uh, this is, you know, at the end of every podcast ever when yeah. plugs happen, we're at that spot. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm, I'm awkward with plugs. I mean, most of my books can be found through outletpress.com, um, on Amazon, uh, and then there's disruptiongenerator.com, where it's the easiest link to get the disruption generator off of Amazon. Yeah. So do that. Um, and uh, Eric laid out the uh, Theravada machine, the last book I put out, which none of you read. Um, and by the way, I made it this entire episode without <laughs> yelling at the audience for how shitty the fucking response this was. How dare only two of you fucking ask me things? How dare you? You got two people to ask you things? Well, sort of. Well, uh, uh, Alex Coppersmith uh, and, and Vanessa. So that's, you know, it's two people. Yeah, that's two people. It's still, it's. You know, what the fuck, guys? What the fuck? I asked you a lot of stuff, but a lot of it was just design things. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but also, you're on the show talking about it, so I guess you count as a third. But uh, yeah. we do this again. I want, I want more fucking, I want more you assholes showing up. And boy, I'm not going to do another Philip K. Dick ever. Yeah. Well, do you have a list of books to do next? Uh, somewhat. Uh, I don't really know. Um I want to talk about the Hermetic uh, book with um, with Eric, but that might not be a book club. I think I just might have Eric on to talk. About yeah, yeah, system. that might just be a. I think I want. So here's some of the some of the ideas I have is uh, Franny and Zoe for, uh, uh, with uh, the uh, J.D. Salinger, because that's like I think two of the best like short story novellas ever written. Um, Nine stories, J.D. Salinger, because these are just like these things that like made this major giant impact on my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Richard Brodigan, uh, probably in Watermelon Sugar, maybe The Abortion Stroke, The Library. It's called the same thing. Because um, mm-hmm. not a lot of people have read him, at least uh, yeah, of our that's, generation. That's the one that I've read. He's he's like the, the best ever. Um I forget. Uh, I had some more on the list, but those those are the ones that that are jumping to mind. Yeah, I have a suggestion. What's that? Uh, Jesus's Son by Dennis Johnson. What's that? It's about a guy named uh, what they call him Shithead. The main character's name is Shithead, and he's just this junkie kind of falling through life in the seventies. Oh. And Dennis Johnson is a really really solid literary writer. Yeah, I think I'm good with junkies in the 70s for a minute. Remind me like four books from now. <laughs> I think junkie 70s, I'm going to put a fucking pin in just for the time being. Yeah. Like, like John and I, we're not doing superhero movies for well, and we banned yeah. M. Night Shyamalan. I think another one, too. We've, we've decided we're never doing it again. <laughs> I, think, I think junkie 70s, let's, let's kill that yeah, one. Kill that one for a while. I'll be, yeah. I'll be back if you do that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for coming on and discussing Valis. Uh, it was oh, yeah. a uh, vast uh, artificial life information system yep. of a podcast. I don't know if that was what Valis <laughs> stands for. Well, and, you know, the empire never ended. <laughs> I mean, it did in like, like 1980. And then the then the return of the Jedi no, was 83. No, the empire never ended. No, it did. It struck back and it ended. Uh, Han was in Carbonite. Uh, I'd taken my Boba Fett in Slave One. 
And Luke had lost his hand, and they were standing in the medical bay with but, Leia I mean, looking out. Really, the Empire didn't have an ending. It, Empire didn't have an ending. It had a non-ending. Oh, you're saying like the rise of Skywalker <laughs> is going to be the end of the Empire because that's episode nine of the original trilogy of trilogies. Well, no. That's a good point. No. Empire is just a bridge between New Hope and Jedi. But the the trilogy is just a bridge between, you know, episodes one, two, and the three. The best trilogy. Of course, yes. The, one, the ones featuring Watto, <laughs> the greatest character ever. Watto and racist Chinese aliens. Oh, what yeah. more could you ask for? <laughs> oh, no, the blockade. Oh, God, those fucking guys are ridiculous. Have you ever watched that movie recently? The racist Chinese aliens are fucking absurd in that. Well, Jar Jar is pretty good, too. I mean, Jar Jar is actually like, pretty tame in comparison to the racist oh, Chinese oh, oh, aliens. Yeah, They're yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, bad. Yeah. Well, and and Watto is like a terrible, terrible Jewish. Terrorist. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, he's, yeah, yeah, he's oh. yeah, yeah. Oh, what do you think? You're some kind of Jedi? You're gonna talk me down of things? Uh, let's, uh, I'm gonna go shape change and run the banks. <laughs> My wife. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, we're done. Uh, thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.